0: I came up with the idea of scalers, and it has really taken off. I think everyone identifies with it. We are always scaling mountains. We are always trying to crush our competition while making our customers safer and supporting each other.
1: Hi, I'm Nils Vina, and you're listening to the B2B Leadership Podcast, a show dedicated to demystifying leadership development one conversation at a time. Each week, I sit down with leaders in the B2B space to discuss their journey and what they've learned along the way. This podcast is brought to you by the B2B Leaders Academy. The cost of not consistently developing your leadership skills is enormous, and the B2B Leaders Academy features monthly leadership training and live coaching. Being a great leader isn't hard. You just need a guide and the right set of tools. So head on over to B2BLeadersAcademy.com to join and become the leader you have always wanted to be. Hello and welcome to another episode of the B2B Leadership Podcast. My name is Nils Vinya, and today my guest is Julia Blackman. Julia, welcome to the show.
0: Thanks so much. I'm happy to be here.
1: Uh, Julia, I'm looking forward to digging into all things leadership, but before we get started, need to share with our audience where you're working today and what role you're in?
0: Absolutely. Thanks so much. I am the head of global HR here at Iron Scales. Iron Scales is a self-learning, AI-driven email security platform. We are extremely passionate about cybersecurity here and all of our scalers, What we call our team members here at Iron Scales are really passionate about making sure that we are creating a safer tomorrow. My role is to support the people, the people experience, and all of HR functions from recruiting to compliance to engagement and professional development.
1: That's a tall order of things inside a fast growing company. We're going to get there. I want to touch on the scalers piece. Tell me what it, what does scalers mean?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. It's my favorite thing to talk about. I absolutely love who we are. When you really think about a population of people, right? We think about what ties us together, that DNA. And as I joined Iron Scales this past summer, I wanted to try and figure out what is an employee at Iron Scales. And I really distaste the word employee. It's clinical. It I don't love it. And so, you know, there's team member, there's staff member, there's all these different words. And so many companies have come up with little fun, kitschy names for their team members. And so it's it's a challenge, but it was a lot of fun. And ours was natural. I came up with the idea of scalers and it has really taken off. I think everyone identifies with it. We are always scaling mountains. We are always trying to crush our competition while making our customers safer and supporting each other. And being a scaler is what it means is having that DNA that we all share. So we are all different we're all so unique. I look at it, I call it the scalar way. So everyone's unique, but we're all similar. We have that same thread that kind of is threaded throughout who we are. And so that's what being a scalar is. And if you're a scalar, you know it. And you feel it the minute you walk in the door here. And it's, it's a great community.
1: I'm a big fan of brands and brands for teams and even at whole company level, which is awesome. And just what you noted there is so important and such a big differentiator in from a leadership perspective where you could have a group of people and just refer to them as employees or team members or whatever. But when you change one word and you assign a meaning to that word and associate this identity that is bigger than any one individual, that's incredibly powerful. I and mean, people, I bet, want to get out of bed to live up to being a scaler.
0: Absolutely. I mean, it really makes such a difference. And I to be honest, didn't realize what a difference it was going to make. And I partnered with our marketing team and we actually created a logo for the Scalar logo and we use it on things and I've added it to swag and things like that. Our, Our CEO sends a weekly update and he says, you know, hi Scalers and everyone is constantly using it now and it really has united us. And that was one of the biggest challenges during the last, you know, Year and a half of the pandemic and everyone being remote and global, how do we unite each other? And now we feel like one scalar family, one scalar team. It really does. I think it's motivating and it's really nice. Everyone wants to be a scalar. When I'm interviewing people, even if they feel like it's not the right fit, which I always respect when somebody says that, and I think you know we've talked about that before, it's it's amazing when people have the confidence to say, you know what, I love this company, I love what you're doing, but I don't think I'm the best person for this role, but I really want to be a scaler, yeah. <laughs> and I love that. <laughs> <You know? laughs> That's
1: amazing that somebody could say, I'm not right for this role, but I want to be part of your company. Right. And that doesn't happen very often because oftentimes when you're interviewing with the company, you're only looking at one particular role and hoping that it's a great entree into the company. But to build demand to the point where people want to be part of the company and not just in that, in that role is incredibly powerful. So let's dissect this just a little bit more because this is a really important point that I think anybody can, can take away. And I've done a lot of work with the, teams and leaders and organizations that I've worked with and my own as well to build an identity like this, like the scalers. And I'm curious from your perspective, you know, you mentioned like feeling really passionate about this. Number one, partnering with your marketing team. Could you break down a little bit more like the steps someone might go through if they were thinking about how do I create something that's more engaging and a more of an identity than just, you know, team X or people X?
0: Absolutely. First off, it is critical to talk to as many people as you can, and that's why I got into HR. Because I love talking and I love talking to people and I love knowing everybody's business and it's, it works for me. This summer, I joined Iron Skills on June 1st. And so I'm still brand new, though, seven months is not really brand new at a startup as we know. But I started by having conversations with everybody. And then really, I partnered with one of our more senior employees, somebody on our product team who was instrumental in kind of helping figure that out and talking with her, who she's been here years and has, you know, really. seen the company evolve, we kind of created a web and, you know, started with almost like a storyboard. What are the words that we want for our kind of aspirational of who we want a scaler to be? And then who are we? And there's always going to be aspirations, but it's really important. It's the same thing when you're identifying values. You want to be real about who you are today and you want to acknowledge who you want to be. And that's why it can evolve. And so we started kind of doing that and I was playing around, creating drawings. I'm a terrible drawer, so I was I figured I'll just I'll go from here, but really it came down to talking to the team. What does being at Iron Scales mean to you? I said that in every single conversation I had. Fortunately, I joined when we had just almost sixty employees, so it was a little bit more attainable to talk to the whole company. But I asked that to everybody. What do you love? what is within my control that I can make an impact on? And what is being at Iron Scales mean to you? And that's how it kind of evolved from there. And once we created this web, I then started playing more and met with our design team and showed them my terrible drawings and gave them all these different words. And they created this beautiful image. And it's actually, if you've seen our logo, it's it's a a dragon. And it's a really cool at symbol, which really makes sense for our company. And our scalar logo, it's a dragon going in a different way around an S with a lighter blue. And it's the yin and the yang, because you can't be one without the other. And I just, I love that. And I think it's beautiful. And I think everyone should do that with their team. Always take a step back and say, who are we? And who do we want to be?
1: Yeah. And you hit on a couple of really important points. One, this doesn't happen by accident cultures in companies, especially startups, do evolve as a result of largely the founding members and the founders and the team, initial team. But there are things that are consciously decided. And then there's others that are kind of naturally evolved. But this is a, a disciplined action where you went to the people. You didn't come join as a global director of HR and say, OK, here's our internal brand now. We're going to roll this out and I'll train everybody. And i was like, that would have fallen flat. And
0: so many people do that. And it doesn't work. It doesn't catch on. It is a philosophy of mine. I don't make decisions. I make recommendations, but I don't make decisions for the organization, for the people. I have great ideas, and I suggest things, and I maybe I'll come up with the five things on the survey, but I survey everything. I think people would prefer to take too many surveys and have their voice heard than be told these are the new benefits that we're doing. We've rolled out a lot of new benefits at Iron Scales in the last few months, and every single one of them was based on employee feedback. They were pieces that I came up with from research, from other companies I've worked at, from colleagues, you know, friends, networking, LinkedIn posts, things like that. But it was based on what our scalers want because everyone is different. And so I think that also makes a difference. If you come into an organization or if you're an executive leader and you're only thinking about your ideas and thinking that you know all of the answers, you're going to fail because you are very wrong
1: because you almost never know the answers. I'm so glad you brought that up. And that has been a consistent theme with other guests on this podcast as well, talking about the importance from a leadership perspective of not having the answers. And what you just said there right at the end captures it perfectly. If you come into an organization, sometimes the feeling is we should have all the answers. I was just hired to lead this division, department, team, whatever. Or you get promoted into that role because you were maybe the best at something X, Y, Z. And you think it's all about you or you think you have the answers. You're wrong.
0: Right. (laughs) Sorry. And that's what makes a good leader, right? That's what we're talking about is, you know, being a good leader is somebody who knows their strengths knows the areas that they have no clue, knows the areas where they know a little and can kind of get by, and is willing to be humble enough to admit it and say, I have no idea what I'm doing, or does anybody have an idea for this, or here are my five ideas, I think they're pretty awesome, but if you have anything better, I'm all ears
1: hundred percent. And there is another point that you made that was really powerful. And I think just from you know, your role as an HR leader inside of Iron Scale is one thing, but absolutely one hundred percent applies to anybody in any leadership role that you don't make decisions right? You make recommendations and you survey <laughs> extensively and you talk to the people and you get input from lots of different sources. And then you're in a position to make recommendations because it's not about you. It's not about what you want. It's about what the people want.
0: Right. Decisions and approvals are two very different things. You might make approvals, you might make announcements, but not the decisions.
1: <laughs> okay. Let's, let's dig into that, the difference between decisions and approvals. Tell me a little bit more about the difference between those two.
0: To me, it's making the recommendations to the team, whether that's the greater scalar team, and I'm doing a global survey or a regional survey or talking in the mornings on our daily senior leadership team stand up. I'm bringing the recommendations, decision is made as a team, and then you know, there always has to be an approval system, whether it's, you know, me putting my stamp on the paper after the decision's been made or the CEO or the board or something like that. There has to be that final seal. Okay, this has been approved, but the decision was not made by one person. The decision was made by several people or a group of people, things like that. And then kind of once the approval gets there, then you kind of make the announcement. The announcement's my favorite part. I love making the announcements. I try to make them fun. Our monthly scalers on deck meetings are always a riot.
1: Okay, wait, uh, we got to dig into this because announcements and you might be thinking like, wait a second, announcements from the HR team probably don't fall into the bucket a lot of times of being a riot. So tell us more about these announcements and how do you get energy into some things that are like benefits or things that are kind of, you know, maybe a little bit more mundane
0: right? So we should survey my team after this call and see if they agree that our scalers on deck are a riot, but I feel pretty confident. But for us, it was all about taking that monthly all hands meeting and rebranding it. Branding is everything. and I love branding. And so trying to figure out How can we, you know, even just moving it, obviously we know it's all hands on deck is what all hands stands for, but just shifting it to scalers on deck sounded way more fun. And we've moved from the traditional, you know, one person is either delivering a lot of information or you're hearing an announcement from every department to now we change it up every time. I ask each senior leader to think of something that's relevant within their department to share with the team, and then ask them to choose somebody on their team to present it. So we're actually having our scalers present to the rest of our scalers. I always believe peers learn better by peers. Other professional development programs I've created have always been peer-led. And peer-led, peer-spoken, all of those things, you're going to listen way more when it's your friend talking than when it's HR talking. But We always started off with our CEO, who does a kind of a a focus on opportunities, which I think is so great to kind of start there. And then we listen to some of the team members, and then we close it out with HR announcements. And I always try to make sure that I'm sharing some exciting news, updating benefits, but also just kind of reminding things that were happening, talking about our referral policy, giving an update on how many employees we have, how many new hires we have incoming, all those different things. So it's fun. That's
1: fantastic. Uh, Okay, so coming back to the brand, the scalers, right? Incorporating that into your meeting. Love it. Um, One of the best ways to permeate a brand through everything because it's not just the monthly all hands it's the scalers on deck right and it's and everybody starts talking about hey the scalers on deck me coming up would you like to present at the scalers on deck and all of a sudden there's 50 different references to this one thing that you wanted to get into everybody's vocabulary and that continuously builds the plan so that that's awesome and i love the fact that the senior leaders are one responsible for identifying what's relevant it might be different every time, but then they're asking for members of their team to present. So it's not always about the senior leadership being up in front of everybody on a monthly basis. It's about them highlighting what's going on inside their org, but having different people present. That seems like a really, really powerful message. And that's just awesome.
0: Right. It's been really fun. We've done it probably three three months, four months now, and it's been super successful. We're planning some really fun, big changes for our January one. We're going to do a big year in review and try and make it a little bit more exciting. So I do always tell them at the beginning, I know I have to top last month, so the pressure's on, but I believe in myself. I believe in the team.
1: That's a wonderful way to look at it is that, you know, the the last one was amazing. Okay, how are we going to top it this time? Instead of just, okay, here's the agenda. It's the same thing we go through on a monthly basis. It's one of those other boxes we have to tick, right? You're looking at it from a completely different perspective every single time and figuring out new ways to do it. You know, you're essentially challenging everything, even with something as conceptually simple as a monthly all-hands call.
0: Right. Exactly. Though I'm sure my whole team would tell you that the best one that I will never top was when we announced our company-wide retreat and where we were going. But, you know.
1: Fair enough. Fair maybe, enough.
0: Maybe once a year, that'll be the best one.
1: Hey, there you go. And then you can work up to that. And then that builds an- excitement and anticipation. And <laughs> that's that's awesome. Exactly. We'll get back to the interview in just a minute. This episode is brought to you by the B2B Leaders Academy. The cost of not consistently developing your leadership skills is enormous. The B2B Leaders Academy features monthly leadership training and live coaching. Being a great leader isn't hard, you just need a guide and the right set of tools. Head on over to b2bleadersacademy.com to join and become the leader you've always wanted to be. Now let's get back to the interview. The focus and opportunities. You mentioned that your CEO opens the the scalers on deck call with focus and opportunities. You know, usually there is some opening remarks by senior executive or the CEO. What exactly does focus and opportunities mean in this context?
0: Yeah, it's really interesting. It's something he would always done. So we left it in there because I think it's really cool. It's an opportunity for him to share He's very approachable as a CEO. It's pretty incredible I and mean, it's beautiful to me that, you know, at any point in time, he, he encourages people to put time in his calendar, send him a message, teams him. He's very involved. And so he truly shares his perspective. This is what we're focusing on today, this month. This is what we're focusing on this quarter. This is our focus for the year. This is kind of where we need the most support from a you know product or customer, or this is an angle we're gonna take the product in this this and that. And then the opportunity is, this is what's happening in the market. This is kind of what investors are saying. This is a really interesting article I read. He's always sharing different articles and I always think that's really helpful. We're big on continuous learning. And so I think it's just a great opportunity to kind of go through those in our industry, people like myself, who I'm in HR, I'm in HR in tech. So I have a very little, but a, you know, understanding, but I don't really understand cybersecurity. It's not as relevant to my job. But it always gives me a lot of insight and understanding as to what we're doing as the industry evolves to get that information.
1: Love it. Just the principle I'd take away from that. And again, your CEO delivering that at the monthly Scalers on Deck meeting could easily be applied to anybody listening to this podcast who has a monthly, whatever their brand is, call it, meeting with their team or perhaps department or perhaps organization, which is a lot of visibility, Right, here's where we're focused today. Here's where we need help. There's the curse of context, and that everybody, every leader can fall in. Right, we can assume through no real fault of anybody's, but we can assume that everybody else knows what we know. And your CEO sounds like does a phenomenal job of making sure that everybody else knows what he knows in a way that he has to verbally push it out into the organization, as opposed to assuming that everybody knows that our focus for this quarter is X. Is that?
0: There, Right.
1: Yeah. Cool. You guys are a fast-growing company in the cybersecurity space. A lot of different disciplines and domains go into Iron Scales. As you think about the leadership that is coming up through your organization and that you are going to be bringing into your organization over the next, you know, call it 12 to 18 months, what are some of the most important elements of leadership characteristics that you look for in internal candidates, either, you know, or external
0: You know, as a fast growing company, fastest growing email security company in the world.
1: That's that's a big thing.
0: I love it. Congratulations, by <laughs> the way. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And, you know, it's so important to make sure that we don't lose the integrity of who we are as we grow. And that comes down to that scalar DNA. Who are each of us individually? Obviously, with leaders, there is, as you start to hire for more executive roles or middle managers, you want to make sure you're looking for certain characteristics. But, Internal promotion is also really important as well. So making sure you're supporting your employees as they grow. So definitely our, you know, our guiding principles are supportive is our number one guiding principle. And it's so important that as a human, you are supportive, approachable, all those different pieces of that kind of EQ is so important to the scalar DNA. Being curious, our CEO likes to refer to it as urgent curiosity. And I love that. I just love the way that sounds. And I think it's really important. You have to always be willing to learn and always be wanting to learn. And that's because it comes down to what we talked about in the beginning, right? You have to be humble enough to know what you don't know and willing to learn. And so part of being in a startup, you get this opportunity to... Be in a role that you wouldn't have if you go and work for a big box company, right? But that also means that you're probably not as senior as maybe your role is. And that's pretty cool and pretty terrifying at the same time. And so making sure that you have that interest to learn to get there and not the ego to think you're already there, it's really important to check those egos at the door. It just doesn't fit. It doesn't work. So those characteristics, I think, are really that being kind of humble and supportive and curious and probably really resourceful. It's really important too.
1: You know, the supportive element and what you define there is EQ, urgent curiosity, fantastic phrase, might have to steal that, and willing and, and wanting to learn and, you know, checking the ego at the door. And I think whether you're in a startup or a larger organization, those principles still apply. The application of those is going to be a little bit different based on your environment as, you know, it's just going to be the case. However, being willing and wanting to learn and having urgent curiosity, that should permeate every part of your life. And when it does permeate every part of your life, it's a lot easier and you're not, you know, I'm in a leadership position now during my working day and then I shut that off at night. It's just, no, you can always be curious about anybody. And that's one of the things I think is, is so wonderful about so many of the leadership principles that you've talked about today and that I teach and, and work with leaders on is that there is no boundary to where you can be curious. There's no edge where you say, well, I have to check my ego here, but I really need to bring my ego into this room. It's like, no, I don't think so. It's okay. Like, you can be confident. infinitely curious and You confident. can be
0: confident. Yeah. Confident and having an ego are very different things. Again, it's exactly what we talked about at the very beginning of this, right? Knowing what you know and knowing what you don't know. So being very confident that you have these strengths that you're bringing to the table is extremely important. But that doesn't mean that you have an ego. That doesn't, again, mean that you're right. That doesn't mean that you're telling people what to do. It means that you're, you know, providing recommendations. Your expertise is helping us get to a decision-making position.
1: Yeah. Yep. And to bring forward what you mentioned before, coming back to the recommendations, right? You can be confident that no matter what situation you're in, you can always talk to people like you did before, do some analysis, do some thinking and come to the table with a recommendation. Doesn't matter if you're running sales, company.
0: Exactly. People say the same thing in the survey that you recommended. You just look better. You just look like you were on the right track, but that doesn't make, you know, other people's opinions less valuable.
1: Right. And it looks better because you simply amplified their voice. Exactly. Otherwise, if you had a different opinion or, or you said, well, they all said we wanted this benefit package, but no, I know that's not right. And then, you know, it's, that's the ego part, but if you can be confident in doing research, talking to people, And coming to the table with recommendations, you could solve virtually any problem, or at least come get to the point where, as a group, as you noted before, you can solve a problem.
0: Right. I love that you said amplified their voice because to me, I always believe that HR is seen as this, well, at least in years past, it's evolving a lot now, but it's always been seen as either a paper pusher or a disciplinarian, you know, authoritative place. But really, we are advocates for the people and advocates for the business, which is challenging, but when done right, can be really beautiful and supportive so that you can be transparent and, and supportive, right? So being an advocate for the people, that's exactly what it is. It's having a voice for the people, amplifying their voice. That's the point of the surveys. That's And if you take it seriously and you actually take the data from the surveys and put it into action, then people feel heard.
1: Yeah. And they will support you and go to bat for you when there's something that you need help with in the future, right? They're going to only fill out the next survey if the last one was meaningful. In other words, they provided you feedback. You took action on said feedback, even if it wasn't what they wanted. You acknowledged what they submitted. Then you took action in some form or way. There is a exponentially greater likelihood that they will fill out the next survey and tell you more and more honest things because they're comfortable and they believe that you'll actually trust them.
0: Right. And they won't feel as frustrated if you don't roll out a, this new program that they are advocating for because they know that they trust you. If you've listened, you've rolled out certain things, maybe not everything. So there's probably a reason why context. And I always give context. It's so important.
1: That also hits on the importance of people who want to feel heard. Sometimes that's all it takes. It's not you know, the, their, their way is what they really want. If you dig really deep and you look at what they're really after, sometimes people just want to be heard. And this, you know, regardless of if you're doing a a survey for any kind of program or you're dealing with a frustrated customer or a frustrated employee or whatever it is, it's, it's not about the solution. It's about the hearing and the listening right. and being there. Yeah. So, so many of the principles that we've been talking about, just I mean, from the HR role and, and you reshaping this at Iron Scales directly apply to everything from a leadership perspective that's critical to embody, which I love. So I want to ask you this question. You know, you have so much tremendous expertise in all the things we've been talking about today. So imagine for a moment that you were able to go back in time. And have a conversation with yourself, knowing everything that you know today, but yourself at that point at which you got out of school, whatever level it was, and you were entering into the professional working world, and maybe you didn't even know you were going to be in HR yet. And what would you sit down with yourself and and share from an advice perspective?
0: Right. I love this question. I definitely did not know I wanted to be in HR. I didn't even really know what HR was. But I think... That I don't believe in regrets and change of path. So I would probably just tell myself that. It's going to be a weird, hard eight to 10 years and you got this <laughs> or something like that. Maybe I would say, you know, go forth with a little less fear and trust yourself because typically when I follow my gut, it's a really good decision. And when I'm hesitant, it usually is what kind of ends up creating more challenge or a pause in things moving forward. But I think ultimately I would tell myself really in everything in life, just jump.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Go for
0: it. I, I went from nonprofit to tech startup and I was terrified, but best decision I ever made. And I'm so glad that I jumped and I would not want to change that for anything.
1: Wonderful advice. I think we can all, we can all take a step back and think about that. And everything that we do, well, again, regardless of whether you're an individual contributor day, a manager, a director, a VP, a C level executive, just doesn't matter. These principles apply and you can show up in a different way if you apply some of the strategies and tactics like Julia has been sharing today. So Julia, this has been absolutely awesome to spend some time talking leadership with you, talking about iron scales, very excited to see all the incredible things that the scalers are going to be doing. Thank you so much for sharing your insight and would love to have you on a future episode to hear about all these incredible updates if you'd be open to it.
0: Absolutely, thanks so much Nels, it was a lot of fun.
1: My pleasure. Thank you for listening to the B2B Leadership Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd welcome you to subscribe and give the show a five-star review. You can see the show notes and all of the resources mentioned in today's episode at b2bleadershippodcast.com. As always, I'm Nils Vinya, and I hope you'll join us again next week. Take care and have a great rest of your day. This podcast is brought to you by the B2B Leaders Academy. The cost of not consistently developing your leadership skills is enormous. And the B2B Leaders Academy features monthly leadership training and live coaching. Being a great leader isn't hard. You just need a guide and the right set of tools. So head on over to B2BLeadersAcademy.com to join and become the leader you have always wanted to be.